guys, and welcome to episode 36 of MTG Radio. This is Trevor. And this is Tom, and this is our special guest. Hi, it's Eric from St. Louis. Also known as Mr. <laughs> Suitcase, also known as... Eric of many names, The Watchman, you know, many, many things, yes. Pretty much everything else that's good and holy is pretty much what Eric is. <laughs> I, I, I've actually heard him call Mother Teresa once, but I think that was a bit of an exaggeration, so... <laughs> I think you've made a mistake. They were calling me uh, uh, the mother of MTG Cast, at least the mother of Monday Night Magic. I don't know if Teresa was thrown at the end of it. Okay. They well, whispered that when you weren't listening. Exactly. You, you were just like calmly off while Tom was being called Papa Bear, and you were just called Mother Teresa, and that's just how it all combines together, like a PB&J sandwich of magic podcasting goodness. <laughs> so now that the analogies are out of the way, let's go... Let's go talk about magic. <laughs> Alrighty. So since we've been gone, which is a Kelly Clarkson song, uh, there have been a lot more spoilers for M11. And I figure we're not going to go over all of them, especially because I feel bad that Eric has been on almost every podcast having to talk about spoilers. <laughs> so we're only going to go over like ones that we think are going to be good, especially in terms of EDH, because that's what we try to do the most. And uh, because he's our special guest, We'll let Eric go first. So is there any uh, specific spoilers from album 11 that you want to talk about? I was just scrolling through the list here, and uh, what came to mind for me was Call to Mind, where it's a uh, two and a blue for a sorcery. It's an uncommon. Return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. And then uh, you guys do flavor text here as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, flavor text is, it's hard to say which is more satisfying. The search for that missing piece, or fitting that piece into place. Evo Ragas. <laughs> the yeah. art on that card is really cool, but it also looks like Eddie Murphy. And now we scroll up to see. <gasps> I don't think it looks like Eddie uh, Murphy. It, it looks more like uh, Lando from Star Wars, if I had to pick it out. But <sighs> Anyways, I think it's good. I was tired of the arc of visibility being in red. Um, I think this is definitely necessary. I wish it was an instant, but that'd just be a little bit too good. It's, yeah. It's mnemonic, it's mnemonic wall without a body. So, I mean, I like it. I hope that it doesn't fuel degenerative combos in EDH. I don't want people to get back their time stretch. Oh. <laughs> that would that doesn't make me happy. But in general, I like these kind of cards for blue. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely a great one to point out. Um, I think another great card for EDH is going to be... Angelic Arbiter. Um, the reason I'm a fan of this card is just because it's it's going to be a little bit of politicking. For five white white, it's a good old rare angel five six flyer. Each opponent who casts a spell this turn can't cannot attack with creatures. Each opponent who attacked with a creature this turn cannot cast spells. So it's going to do a really good job limiting your opponents. It reminds me of a card called Fate Spinner um, from Mirrored in Time. Uh, it, it usually goes around unchecked. Uh, Fate Spinner, people don't mind like wasting away their phases. Fate Spinner basically says uh, each opponent chooses draw, combat, main phase. or Yeah, draw, combat, or main phase, and skips each of one of those steps. And for some odd reason, people leave that card around. So I think Angelic Arbiter is going to last a lot longer than it should. This card is going to give me headaches. I, I, already, I already know. I, I'm I'm going to fail to this card multiple times. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's a 5-6. It's, it's kind of hard to remove it unless you're playing stuff like, I don't know, Doomblade. But pff, who plays that in EGH? That's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a joke. Anyways, um, I, I guess you can take the Lich if you want, Trev. Actually, that's that's I'm. Well, I'll talk about that, but that's not the card that I want to talk about. The card that I'm excited about, you told me before this started, it dies to removal, and I, I don't care. Um, it's Fauna Shaman. It's one and a green for a two-two Elf Shaman. Um, it has the not not natural order. Um, hang on one second. Yeah, Survival of the Fittest ability, where you uh, tap a green, tap it, discard a creature, and search your library for a creature. Um. Hold on one second. Well, he's gone. So, um, Eric, I, you were on Monday Night Magic when this was originally spoiled. Uh, you want to just repeat what you heard, or? Um, yeah, the, I mean, survival of, on the, of the fittest is just sick. I mean, this is kind of a fixed version for, since, first of all, it's a creature, so you can kill it. Second of all, you mm-hmm. have to tap it, so it, you can't use it the first turn. It comes into play, and you can only use it once per turn. But even so, it, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, all, I mean, all those things were definitely necessary to see Survival of the Fittest back in standard. Yeah, I mean, well, I was at the uh, StarCityGames.com Open Series in St. Louis mm-hmm. uh, watching Legacy. The first round, the first match I'm watching uh, featured uh, Survival of the Fittest. And the deck, is, it's just, that card is ridiculous. It's It's so good. I actually remember at that same exact Legacy Open, I saw that did you get a chance to see the amazing Aluren deck? Um, I did not. It's really kind of amazing. Aluren is a uh, three green green. You can play uh, three mana cost creature spells for free, and it basically goes Aluren, Imperial Recruiter, Imperial Recruiter, Imperial Recruiter, Cabin Harpy, and um, the guy that drains for two, and you gain two from shards. Okay. Parasitic Strix, and you just bounce the Strix and you kill them. And it's so... It's just watching it, you're just kind of like, wow. It's really, really, really cool. So Yeah, back... It, it, that used to be similar to a deck that was an extended back when I was just really started following uh, competitive magic. And Cavern Harpy was w- w- used to, to fuel all kinds of insanity with with Ka- with uh, with Aloran. Because you... You return usually it was like you re, you play Cavern Harpy so now you're returning a, another creature that, that you have out there like uh, Man of War or something and you bounce stuff and then you re, go ahead and play it again and, and, and play Cavern Harpy again and, and just bounce them both and just continue going on you know until your until your opponent has no permanents on the board or whatever. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be good. Um, the next card I'd like to talk about is a. Uh, Phylactery Lich, which, um, thanks for laughing at my pronunciation. Uh, as oh, you're for, welcome. It's for black, black, black. It's a five-five. As Phylactery Lich enters the battlefield, put a Phylactery counter on an artifact you control. Phylactery Lich is indestructible. When you control no permanents with Phylactery counters on them, sacrifice Phylactery Lich. I'm just saying that's the correct pronunciation. Let's let's use it, guys. Right, Phallus Lich it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Phallus Lich is a lot better. Sorry sorry about the interruption uh, before I, I had to order pizza. Oh, well, thanks for not ordering any for us. That's really nice of you. I would love some Hawaiian pizza right now. Ooh. Except I'm more partial to pepperoni than ham. 
Ooh. I've, I've actually heard of putting pepperoni on a Hawaiian pizza instead of ham, but I think it would just kind of offset the flavor of the pineapple on the Hawaiian pizza. So. <gasps> no, it adds a little uh, sharpness. Really? Which is really nice with the, with the sweet. I've actually you know, heard of putting bacon on it also instead of uh, ham. But that just seems like a heart attack waiting to happen. You, you guys, you guys just, you guys just said sorry to interrupt. You said offsetting the flavor and the sharpness, and the only thing that I thought of was hornet sting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you weren't going to talk about that. I, I'm not going to. What are we talking about? Go ahead, Fallislitch. So Fallislitch, I think it's going to be really good. People are sorry. By people, I mean like three people are talking about playing this guy in um double standard. Um. I think he would have been good if Extended was the same as Extended was, and if he was still in when Mirrodin Block was in, but... Whatever, you can dream. Uh, I, There's a new Mirrodin Block coming up. Exactly. So, expect some good things happening then. Maybe not good things. I mean, it's a 5-5 Indestructible. So... How about Redirect? There we I, go. Uh, I, that, that's, that seems like it's going to be a, a fun spell. For uh, UU... Uh, you get a, an instant, it's a rare, and you may choose new targets for target spell. Your strategy is marvelous. I've just made a few minor adjustments. Virus, watcher of Indie Keep. Yeah, <clears throat> redirecting a spell is gonna, it, it, I mean, that kind of thing is just so much fun. Someone's gonna go, you know, launch their gigantic fireball at you, and, oh, what do you know? And this one isn't even limited to... So if he, let's say he splits his, his fireball amongst five or six different people. You could just, you know, like he's fireballing the table out. You can then just redirect one part of that fireball to him instead. You know, That's actually really good. I didn't notice it was multiple targets. I've actually, uh, for a while, back in the beginning of Shards, I was playing a Swerve deck just because Swerve was really good when someone tried to blighting you. You just go Swerve it back at you. Now you can discard three and take three. But um, I think this card's going to be great. I also like I'm, how it's kind of a replacement for Twin Cast, except Twin Cast is now in red. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually. I, I really like how blue is getting the changing targets part, and red is getting the copying, like, craziness. Which well, is... You know, that was part of red's color pie to begin with. I mean, we're talking about a fixed fork. Yeah. Right. I, I was a fan of fork. I played it. Yeah, the new fork, in case anyone doesn't know, it's Reverberate. It's red-red for an instant. Uh, copy target instant or sorcery, you may choose new targets for their copy. It, it doesn't make the copy red like fork did, so you can kill a core firewalker, I guess, if that's relevant. Yeah. Um, but I think, getting on to what this podcast is about, I think the major EDH spell that's in here, uh, which is, funnily enough, probably for big hug decks, is Wild Evocation. For five and a red, it's a rare enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player reveals a card at random from his or her hand. If it's a land card, that player puts it onto the battlefield. Sad face. Otherwise, the player casts it without paying its mana cost, if able. I think this card is going to be so much fun to play with. I can't wait. Also, it's kind of got, like, really awesome art. I was trying to figure out what the art was, and it just... Yeah, I have no idea. Do you have any idea what this art's about, Eric? It's kind of confusing me. Yeah, it looks like a lizard guy who's throwing the cards in his deck all around and letting them randomly fall where they may. Do you see it looks the like random some chess, chess pieces? pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, another card that I did want to mention, which I honestly think is being overhyped for EDH, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it's Sarah Ascendant. 
It's the 1-1 one, one for 1 white with lifelink. As long as you have 30 or more life, it gets plus 5, plus 5, and has flying. You think this card is getting overhyped? I saw this card and almost wanted to auto-ban it. I mean, the ability to just search this guy up with stuff like Worldly Tutor, um, pretty much anything in green or white, is kind of ridiculous. You get a 6-6 six, six flyer with lifelink for 1. How is that fair in EDH? I, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like an EDH card should have like multiple uses. Like the same reason why I'm hesitant to play. Well, besides the fact that I don't want to feel like a jerk, but I'm hesitant to play just straight up counterspell in EDH is because it's a one for one. Like it, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not seeing it yet. But I feel like this kind of has the Feldier Sovereign complex where it. it it triggers when you have a high life total. In EDH, you have a high life total. This card must be good in EDH. But maybe I'll be proven wrong. I really don't know. All of those things are true. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, I mean, like, let's say you're playing uh, Kitsune Ascendant deck, and it's first oh, well, turn, yeah. Swords Army Ascendant, and now you can't even kill it with damage. That's that's kind of almost game there. The Ley Lines are back, but they're <laughs> new. We have Black Ley Line, the good Ley Line. Um, which is two black black. If Leyland of the Void is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. If a card will be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile instead. Um, I've always been surprised people have been playing this in EDH. I think it's great. You just gotta remember it's an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, so it's yeah, good for I thought, you too. I also thought that targeted an opponent, and I thought, yeah, I, I thought you, had, I thought it was one person, one opponent, not everyone. Like opponents, so this would this this would put all of your opponents' uh, cards in, into exile, right? Yep. Okay, that's as way long better. as they hit the graveyard, obviously, or else that'd be kind of good. Here, let's let, let's talk about Eric's pr- uh, preview, Dark Tutelage. You can take it away, man. Yeah. So Dark Tutelage, it's basically Dark Confidant in enchantment form. Um, and yeah, that was actually one that I was uh, targeting on, on talking about. It's two colorless and a black for a rare enchantment, Dark Tutelage. And at the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You, use, you lose life equal to its converted mana cost. It is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. Seneca, Epistles, translation, Gumir. Yeah, the 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 one the one reason why it it sounds like it might be good for EDH is of course you have plenty of life. Mm-hmm. The the one reason that it sounds like it might be really horrible for EDH is you cast like eight casting cost spells. <laughs> I know it's like it's like turn two I reveal insurrection I take nine. <laughs> how much uh, how much does play does Dark Confidant see? In EDH, very yeah. little. I mean, the only decks that kind of almost play it would be. Mono black vampires because their casting cost doesn't pretty much get above six, and um, then it's kind of worth it. But blue decks that can control the top of the library seem good too. Just one thing about the dark confidant thing. Another reason why that might not see as much play in EDH, and this is just speculation on my part. But death cards also it was way more expensive. Like I was playing decks all over the place. It was it had a lot of trade value, so you could trade a dark confidant for a bunch of cards that were really good in EDH, whereas Dark Confidant was a, was a bear. And I figure, like, I feel like because Dark Tutelage is an enchantment, um, in a sense it might be, like, it's kind of better than Bob for EDH, but it's, like, Phyrexian Arena. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather just play Fraction Arena and EDH. I mean, it doesn't make sense that, like, you would be... Like, the life loss is different, but... Dude, that thing's gonna kill you in EDH faster than you'd imagine. Um, Unless you have you... top out. Yeah. Unless you have top. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if you have top, everything's both. good. I mean, like, if you have top, you don't have to worry about mana. It's just... It's top, <laughs> man. So... Uh, a Chroma Sword is really good. Uh, for three colorless, Sword of Vengeance to rare equipment. Equip creature gets plus two plus O, oh, and has first strike, vigilance, trample, and haste, and equipped for three. I seriously saw this card, and I thought it was like one of those fake spoilers that people put out that are kind of too good. I mean, with Stoneforge Mystic in in standard, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm personally scared of this card, and I'm a red deck player, and I shouldn't be. It's good. It is. It'll be fun. It is very good. It's good. It also, go ahead. No, you go. It also shows you what a chroma actually is when she doesn't have her sword. Like she's a lot less threatening without her sword. Yeah, she's only a four-six pro red pro black flyer with trample. Um, another card that I want to talk about uh, that just got spoiled today actually is mass polymorph. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to play this card. It's five and a blue. It's a sorcery. Exile all creatures you control. Then reveal creatures from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then shuffle the rest of the revealed cards into your library. Um, I feel like in standard, this has a problem in that like you can't double up on Emrakuls or you'll legend rule yourself block. In EDH, you won't, unless you're doing it with other people's legends and whatever, because it's all one-ofs. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is just going to be... I, I, I think some silly things are going to happen in Mass Polymorph. Yeah, I can definitely see this in like blue-green token decks just ending up spitting out huge things that you don't want to see. But then again, it's also... like In EDH, it's also likely to whiff. Like If you're playing green or even blue, you're likely to just get some utility creatures also. But then again, live and learn. I mean, play Homered Spawning Bay with Mass Polymorph and you'll be very, very, very happy. Yeah, just play lots of tokens and... Uh... And then big fatties in your deck. So ma- token makers and big fatties, and then you're great. Yeah. I guess um, pretty much, I don't know, my last card is definitely just going to be um, Mystifying Maze. Uh, it's a land that's thankfully rare. Taps have one to your mana pool for four and a tap. Exile, target attacking creature and opponent controls. At the beginning of the next end step, return it to the battlefield tapped under its controllers under its owner's control. A lot of people are saying this is like the fixed Maze of Ith, but this is so underpowered compared to Maze of Ith for me. I don't know. I'm, I'm used to my Maze of Ith just making people go boing. <laughs> I feel like that's why it's a fixed Maze of Ith, though. Like, if... I don't know, I feel like if they changed anything on this card, it would be too good. Uh, maybe maybe that's just me, but I feel like if you could exile your own creatures, or if it costs less to activate, I don't know. I just feel like I, I think it's pretty balanced the way it is. It also um, I know when we were talking to Eric at the beginning of this, it gives you another uh, land for your Karn deck. That's true. Yes, it does. And Which, um, it's also I will admit this: it is fixed flavor wise. I mean, you actually get lost in the maze for a turn, and then you come back. Speaking of flavor. I guess this has to do with flavor, but the art on this card needs to be a wallpaper of the week and a playmat. Yes. The, that... the, the art on this card is awesome. It reminds me of um, not that I have it, but the promo uh, the promo Maze of Ith. 
the judge promo, I believe. Yeah, I remember when we uh, saw Gabor Zavik's guy and the other guy, whatever their weird names are, and um, and they they had the the promo Maze of If thing there, and it was just kind of like you kind of just stood at it and you stared at it. And it looks really, really, really pretty. Yes, pretty. So um, I'm I'm good with spoilers. You guys want to hit on anything else? No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty cool myself. All right, so we get to continue, and we get to talk to Mr. Suitcase, and he is definitely a man of many hats, including EDH, and so I think it'd be kind of appropriate to ask him, uh, pretty much the first thing is, are you drawn to EDH as a format? Is it definitely one that you play a lot, or is it something that you just kind of dabble in once or twice? Um, it is becoming uh, probably my secondary format or tertiary format of choice. Uh, the I'd I'd like to draft, um, so that's that's probably my my first choice uh, format. And then within draft, uh, cube drafting is something I I enjoy doing quite a bit of. I have a cube put together, and uh, I like to get together with folks and draft that whenever I can. But like I, I'm. My rules for my cube are: I want it to be cards that I own. Um, so it, it'll, it start off as just cards that I had a lot of, you know, or not a lot of, but I had card, uh, cards that I had that really weren't getting to, to see play, uh, you know. So I put what power I had in the cube, um, and and went from there. And it, I've I really enjoy the the play of the cube right now. I have some decisions to make with it going forward, like how many planeswalkers are going to be in there. Um, right now, it's just the Lorwyn original Lorwyn guys who are in there, but um, I definitely need to put some more more planeswalkers in there as well. Uh, the updated Jace uh, <laughs> should should probably go in, so we have two Jaces that can cancel each other out. Um, and then I, I've started playing uh, EDH a lot more. I started just because it sounded like a fun format, and I have a bunch of legends and a bunch of cards, so I was like, well, you know, this is another way to use some of my old cards that don't get, get to see the light of day. Um, but what I found is that there's just no hope for me at all to be able to play in a competitive, constructed environment because I, I can't play test. I just don't have the time to play test. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to do well in standard or extended or any place like that. Uh, so it really kind of has been, become my constructed format of choice. Um, there, there's the added benefit of when I get together with, with friends who like to go and play casual games. Um, I don't have to worry about my deck being uh, too good. With it being singletons, it's hard. It, you know, it's harder to get together a theme of of just obnoxious, you know, power, which I, I tend to do. Um, <laughs> so it's a weakness of mine. I'm I'm the dirty combo player. Um, oh, great. We, whenever, we we have a stasis player here, guys. If we won one. Uh, yes, yes. Stasis was one of my first first and favorite decks. Um, I still have a copy of it set aside that I. Only pull out on very special occasions. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's like, you know what? I'm really loving talking to you, and in fact, you just hate the guy. You want to play a quick game of casual magic? I have this deck I haven't played for a while, but you just <laughs> overrun them with stasis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, uh, not completely. I mean, granted, yeah, I don't play it very often, mostly because it makes other people miserable. <laughs> what can you say? I I do have a heart, so I feel bad about what I've done afterwards. But I really want to play the combos. I I love them. Elves was so great. I I told my table, uh, uh, my casual table. I was like, look, I'm playing this this elves deck, and it's it's a uh, it's a really 
fast combo deck. And I just wanted to give you guys a heads up first, just let you know it's it's a really fast combo deck, and and just letting you know ahead of time. And and they they let me combo off on turn two. Yeah, so it's (laughs) It's like like someone had wasted removal on on somebody else's creature that he could have saved for my turn. It's like, and he's like, no, it's fine. Um, Yeah, I could have saved that. Could have stopped you mid combo. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like basically. Versus elves, kill the nettle sentinels, and then if you can, somehow kill the druid. I don't well, know. it also depends on the elf deck. I was expecting some sort of like turn zero win. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't have most of the cards for turn zero wins, and and yeah, that's not that doesn't seem nearly as fun. I I want I want to give you a chance to stop me, just not a lot. <laughs> I want to give you one land to stop me. That is, <laughs> that's your opportunity. It's like. Y- y- you better have path, or else this is going downhill fast. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I'm look, I'm a sick individual. There's no doubt about it. I enjoyed Affinity when Affinity was popular. You know, I'm I'm that guy. I like powerful decks. Hey, ev- everybody has has their time this time. I mean, uh, one of the guys who used to be on our show, Kevin, used to play fairies day in and day out. Just because you know, sometimes it's nice to just beat people up because you're better at playing. And uh, see, that's where I. I fall to the side here. Like I'm not good at control decks. I, they just require too much understanding and thought. I much prefer to just go about my business. Neither you can stop me or not. So <laughs> fast aggro, you know, just dis- dis- disgusting combo stuff. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. But you know, EDH, it, it's always just an exploration and fun. I mean, there's always something interesting going on at the table. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what that's draws I do, me to. I do have a quick question. Um, because. I love drafting myself, but because I play so much EDH, most of my cards are wrapped up in EDH decks. How do you keep your cube and your EDH decks? Like, how do you run both, uh, keep both going at the same time and keep them both healthy? Okay, so, so I kind of had this nickname, Mr. Suitcase, that I, I gave to myself because there was an old Duelist magazine about the guy who, like, owned every card and had multiples and whatever, you know. So I've been playing since Alpha. And I've never gotten rid of my collection. That's, um, congratulations. My my brother started an alpha, and then he just decided to get rid of his stuff after a year. And I was like, hey, do you remember this card, Black Lotus? He was like, yeah, I had four of those. They were crappy, though, so I just traded them away. And I was like, I hate you so much right now. Yeah, I mean, there was a guy on my dorm, dorm room floor who decided he was going to have... Um, he was going to make a deck powered entirely by mocks, and he, you know, traded for all the mocks, and he had twenty or thirty mocks, you know, for his, you know, ninety card deck, and, it, you know, I mean, and it was like, oh, that was cool, and okay, that was fun, and trade them back away and stuff. I mean, it <laughs> just, I mean, people had no concept of what the cards were going to be worth at the time, so you used to be able to get piles and piles of cards if you had the rare card that someone was looking for. Like I know that. Like I had like the I had like life lace I think it was the white one, um, and somebody wanted it. I mean they just traded me like a stack of like fifty cards. Some of them were rare, some of them uncommons and commons. Like what colors do you play? It was back in the day when people actually played colors. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I play blue. You know, I play green. You know, whatever. <laughs> so I, but, I actually I mean like I didn't play back then, but I definitely remember starting out. You did play colors. Like I remember my friend Kevin. He he played black and I played green. And then I played red, and then I played white. Like it's not like a deck; you play a color. Yeah. So how I keep things kind of updated and separate. Well, my cube hasn't really been updated much um, 
since Lorwyn stuff. I was originally going to update it after things rotate, rotated out of standard, but mm-hmm. what I found is that I just don't have a lot of time to go revisit it, so it pretty much stays in the state it's in unless I really get a lot of free time or a, a lot of gumption up. Um, so I did do some Lorwyn updating, but mm-hmm. my my... My biggest problem is that keeping my collection organized as a whole is really a nightmare. Um, I'm sure. So uh, that's uh, that's where things go. So like when I built my EDH decks, I built I don't know, like four or five of them at once, and I just I picked out my generals that I wanted, and I just pulled cool cards in different areas that that looked fun, you know, that I wanted to play with, and put them into piles, and then started paring them down. Uh, and that that was the challenge, paring them down. Yeah, I definitely uh, remember building my first EDH deck and just being able to pull up stuff like Den of the Fire Herd and being, why haven't I played this card yet? It's it's just you get to play all the cards that you that were just like that just like tick that little part in your brain that you were like, this card has to be awesome in some way possible. So. Yeah, so there's not a lot of updating that happens with them. They kind of locked in place. At some point in time, I will probably go back and revisit some things. But uh, before I do that, I probably want to get my collection even more organized. My big my big accomplishment was this past spring, I now have at least all of my cards separated into blocks. So oh, wow. By blocks and rarity, usually. Now, the older ones that don't have the actual colored rarity symbols, they're just by block. So I, the big challenge is going to be going back and sorting through those by rarity and whatnot, which I need to do, but I'm not looking yeah. forward to Going to, like, visions and stuff. I, I, I started playing, like, a lot during Lorwyn, and I have two of those 5,000-card boxes almost full of cards. <laughs> and I, I dread sorting and keeping them organized and stuff. And then I hear, like, that... I feel I feel so petty and I feel like I shouldn't be talking about it. Oh, well, it's not a big deal. I I, I haven't played like Alpha. That's ridiculous. I I wouldn't know what to do with that much cardboard. I just would have no idea. Uh, I have a problem with getting rid of it. I I really have a hard time getting rid of it. Well, it's definitely ending up being a good thing. I mean, the the cards only increase in value, which is perfect. Yes. So, so. um, we know you're definitely a a very a fan of EDH. So. The next question has to be, uh, who who are the generals you play and like when like what are your favorite? Okay, so so the my general that I've had the most success. Well, actually, most people have had more success against me with. Uh, I haven't I had a lot of chance to play with it because like I, I don't know we, we were talking a little bit before. I mean, usually when pe- I'm at the at the shop and gaming or whatever, I'm like, hey, anyone play EDH? And they're like, yeah, sure. Um, you don't have any decks? It's like, yeah, it's fine. That's why I built multiples. So. Uh, and and uh, Ulashed the Hate Seed is is probably the general that has had the most success in the deck I'm probably proudest of. Um, well, maybe not proudest of, but had the most success, and it seems a lot of fun. Um, so Ulashed is two, a red and a green for a legendary creature Hydra, and Ulashed the Hate Seed comes into play with a plus one plus one counter on it for each other red creature you control and each other green creature you control. You can pay one and remove a plus one plus one counter from Ulashed to either choose one Ulashed deals one damage to target creature or put a pl- one one green sapperling creature token into play. So 
you know, some of the, the fun things you can do is you can run Ulashed out there when you have, like, you know, five or six creatures out or whatever, and then pay your mana real quick and make Sapperlings, and then next turn play Ulashed again, and now it's twice as big. Uh, that's a fun trick. And the other thing is, it's, it's removal, so you can always be shooting other people's dudes, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I kind of have a, a token theme going on in it. Uh, you know, I also really enjoy Thalids, so <laughs> I, I've put in a bunch of Thalids um, into it, so there's the original Thalid, um, and then uh, Spore Sower Thalid, and Thalid Shell Dweller. Sporeloth um, Ancient, maybe. Yes, Sporeloth Ancient is in there. Alright, he made the uh, cut. Thalid Germinator. Uh, there's another Thalid guy. Let's see. So then uh, Verdant Embrace um, is an enchantment that imitates uh, uh, Verdant Force, which is also in the deck. Uh, and Verdant Force is for like eight mana, five five colorless and three green. At the beginning of each upkeep, put a one one green sapling creature token into play under your control. So it's and it's a seven seven. So it, it's great because um, every time. You know, it's uh, somebody's upkeep. There you go. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the more powerful green fads you can drop, especially with this deck. You get four tokens by the next turn. It's just like I'll drop Ulash now. And yeah, exactly. So someone, uh, sorry, yeah. someone really needs to get you a doubling season. <laughs> like that, <laughs> I, I feel bad. I would I would send you one if I had more than the one that I've come across. <laughs> but that card, they really printed the worst type of card because. It's it's only expensive because of casual magic. It's a everyone wants it, so it's ten dollars. Well, and the other thing is, right? They're never going to reprint it because of planeswalkers. Yeah, oh, you can play really a planeswalker with doubling season out, and you pretty much can hit their ultimate automatically. Oh, that blows. Yeah, you play if you if you have doubling season out and play shark and shark and ball, you can make the dragons immediately, and the dragons are all tokens, so you get twice as many. Yeah. It's it's pretty awesome, but <laughs> I w- they should just like they. I wouldn't mind a functional reprint of Doubling Season. That would be that'd be fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's definitely a design space, but how do you say something like, unless I mean, excluding loyalty counters, like that just it just doesn't feel right if if that was on a card. So I can see yeah. this not getting reprinted, which would be sad. Uh, Kiki Jiki the mirror. They make tokens, you know, like Siege Gang Commander or uh, Hearth Cage Giant, guys like that. Um, yeah, definitely Kiki Jeeking. Uh, sorry, Hearth Cage Giant or stuff like that. It definitely sounds like a great idea. Uh, that's definitely how you build a Kiki Jeeky deck itself. So. And then uh, um, Spawn Writhe is just. Uh, have you guys gotten a chance to play with Spawn Writhe? I actually. No, I, 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 have, I have won a draft with that guy. He is fun. It, if if somebody does not stop it and stop it quickly, it just c- gets completely out of hand. Here, let's let's definitely educate people on Spawn Wrath. All right, so it's, I have it up right now. Oh, go right ahead then. It's a, a creature elemental. It's from Shadowmoor. It's a rare two and a green for a two two with trample. Whenever Spawn Wrath deals combat damage to a player, put a token that's a put a token into play that's a copy of Spawn Wrath. And the token so, has the ability, so. Yeah. Right. 
it, it, it gets absurd, especially in EDH games where there's probably going to be some guy that doesn't have blockers. You just hit him, get a spawn right, and you just... It gets out of control fast. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Then, um, uh, are probably you the last, the last all-star would probably be, like, Night Soil. Where uh, Night Soil is mm-hmm. uh, two green for an enchantment, and you pay one, remove two creatures in any graveyard from the game to put a sapling token into play. It's a 1-1. One, one. So uh, that's that's great because it helps stop uh, graveyard uh, recursion stuff as well. So Gotta love Fallen Empires and the three different variations of the card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have like the little fungus guy crawling next to a rake. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely the best art. I mean, you could have gotten the random mossy rock... <laughs> or, or, or the really bad-looking moss around the roots of a tree. So I think you definitely lucked out here. Oh no, not luck. I mean, I have so much fallen empires; it's not even funny. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I definitely, I, ch- I definitely chose chose that art, just like I chose the thalad art of the uh, the thalad with like the little tangly arms or whatever. It looks like a trunk. Oh, that's definitely yeah. the cooler-looking thalad. Is that the one that was reprinted in um, Time Spiral? I believe it was. Although mine's a fallen empires one because you know I want to rock it old school. Hell yeah, bog. So, um, the reason we actually have you on the show is because you mentioned that you actually built a Carney EH deck, and you definitely pointed us in the way of getting the mana base sorted out. So, if you don't... Yeah, this was one of the working? things that was very inspiring for me when I was listening to your podcast and you are talking about it. I had never even considered a colorless, a colorless general. So, um, and I thought about using Eldrazi as a general instead of Karn, but... Karn's a lot cheaper, and he actually uses has a relevant ability. Um, let's see, he's he's five to cast, um, and whenever he blocks or becomes blocked, he gets minus four plus four. Um, he's normally a four four, so he'd become a zero eight. And you can pay one and target non-creature artifact is an artifact creature with power and toughness, each equal to its casting cost until the end of turn. Yeah, I can definitely see this guy getting out of hand with stuff like um, Thran Power Stone and just just start pumping out things. It seems yeah. like a lot of fun. Uh, he he definitely is. I mean, he's decently sized and whatnot. But uh, so I mean, the thing that attracted me to this deck was the mana base because you obviously have to use colorless lands. But for me, it was just a matter of. Well, I think I actually own most of these. <laughs> I just need to go pull them out of boxes. So like, I was like, well, if I can do it, let's do it. I, I, I'm i so sure I have a petrified field somewhere. Just let me go hunting through Odyssey, and I'll find it, and we'll be good. I feel like actually, Eric, I, he actually has to planeswalk to get to his cards. <laughs> it feels that way. I, I now have a uh, shelving for my boxes to be on, and you, you usually have to dig, you have to like move two or three boxes to get the box you're looking for. It's like, oh my, you know, your back's hurting by the end of it. Um, but you know what's great is the mana base in this in this deck is really functional. Uh, it does a lot of stuff. Um, like uh, there's Mishra's Factory, so um, and like so since I'm I'm sorting through all of my antiquities to get to it, I pull out the Mishra's Factory, the Winter Mishra's Factory, because it's the coolest. Oh, definitely. So uh, that's in there, and uh, you know, like you, so you have a bunch of manlands, like Gargoyle Castle in Stalking Stones, um, and who else do we got in here? You probably have Dread Statuary. 
I'd assume. I am looking. Zodiac Cavern. There's another nice. man land in there. Yeah, Morph on Lands. Yeah, I, and I love Morph. I'm a sucker. Morph is one of the themes in my cube. Really? So, yeah, I, I, I love putting the Morph in it. And so, like, most colors have at least one Morph creature. And uh, I, so I, I play that. Um, Blink Moth Nexus is another uh, another land from the uh, oh, yeah, the Mirrodin time frame. Um, Mutable, uh, probably. Yeah, there's Dread Statuary. And then you got uh, Springjack Pasture. Yes, yes you're playing the goats. Oh yeah, got a you know Urza's factory, you know pseudo manland there as well. Yep, and I do have a muta vault in there. So those are my manlands. Um, and then you've got you've got of course your land destruction uh, lands. So you know this way other people don't have their manlands beating up on you or whatever, and you can you can punish people for uh, you know having lands that are crazy broken. Um, so, like, I have Wasteland, uh, Strip Mine, and Dust Bowl all, all in there. Um, who else do we got that's really... Dust Bowl is definitely good. I can imagine just tapping Rick. stuff down with Rashad and Port. Yep, got Rashad and Port. And do, you, do you have a Tabernacle and Pendrel Veil in there? I, if I had a tender... Uh, pa- uh, a p- if I had that card, I'd be playing Legacy. <laughs> if, if I had that card, I would sell it. <laughs> Yeah, no, see, I don't like I don't sell cards. It's just one of my, I, I just don't. Um, you've got cards that you know that kill things. So you got like desert. Um, that's a, a great great card. Don't let the one toughness guys attack because that also what's a lot of fun with that is that it also shoots guys who are attacking other people. So if you make the mistake of attacking someone else, you can still use that. Um, and and quicksand, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? We got uh, doesn't kill things, but uh, God's Eye Gate of the Riki. So, what? Uh, so it. I should know what this card does. It's a legendary land. It's an uncommon from. It looks. I think. Believe Betrayers of Kamigawa. You can tap it to add one colorless to your mana pool. When Wait. God's Eye Gate to the Riki is put into a graveyard from play, one, one spirit, put a one right? one colorless spirit creature token into play. So you know. Uh, that's that's a good one. Um, Mouth of Ronum. That is, is great. We talked about that killing generals. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. Do I have any other snow land in here? Uh, and no, not really. I think <laughs> I may have Cold Steel um, Heart or whatever. So it, it may just be you know. But I can also go ahead and uh, you can use Vesuva. Oh so yeah. Copy that. So and I have I have an alternate language Vesuva. I don't know what language it is. Maybe <laughs> Russian. Um, so <laughs> that's uh, that's in there to, to duplicate whatever uh, an elephant graveyard, mm. uh, dark steel citadel, uh, Miroko the center sea, the one that you know each player can get to draw a card. You know, yeah, for the temple bell land card draw in love. Yeah. Uh, so. And then an Eldrazi temple because I have the thing loaded up with some Eldrazi. Um, do you have so Ayavugan in the deck? I do. I do not because I do not own an Ayavugan. Okay. So therefore, it's not in there. Um, <laughs> and of course, Reliquary Tower. Yes. Then you have like your multiple, multiple mana lands. So I have 
you know, Urza's mine, power plants, and uh, tower. Urzatron. So, you know, on the off chance that they actually all show up. Um, <laughs> Temple of the False God. Oh, you know, okay. because nothing's cooler than making two mana a turn once you reach five lands. Heck yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the next piece is really, I, I got down to the point where the question, oh wait, uh, is Tendo Ice Bridge? No, Tendo Ice Bridge is not a Snowland. It's it's from Kamigawa. So, uh, yeah, it just passed for Carlos. So, no. So the big question for me was whether or not to include the panoramas, Esper uh, panorama and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Originally, I thought they were going to have to be in there, but that is not the case. I had enough colorless land. I did not need them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but I play with top. And I don't really have a lot of shuffle effects. So once I get topping, I'm pretty much just topping the same cards on my library. Yeah. Over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, the thing is, in order to shuffle with the panoramas, you have to sacrifice them and get nothing. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, once you get to the, to the, uh, the late game, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's like, Come on, Trevor, you already have out Urzatron. Who cares about paying one to shuffle? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's Blink Moth Well, which lets you uh, tap target non-creature artifact. That could that could be relevant. Um, oh, hey, Scorched Ruins. This is always a fun one. When it comes into play, sacrifice two untapped lands or bury it, and then it adds four colorless mana to your mana pool. Whoa. And that's from Weatherlight. Go Weatherlight. Hey, John Avon, it does look pretty. And and <laughs> so, you know, I am definitely playing Crucible of Worlds um, in the deck because there's a bunch of lands that I, I might be sacking at some point in time. <laughs> so <laughs> You're trying to skirt uh, around the fact that you might just just maybe be wastelanding people with Crucible of Worlds down. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I'm doing that, you're going to have deserved it. Okay. I'm not going to go wasteland the table just for the heck of it. You only um, do it if they're playing Arkham Dags. <laughs> I've played against Arkham Dags and was not fun. No. <laughs> that, this, I, I do not recommend the uh, competitive EDH stuff at the big events yeah. unless yeah. you really have a hardcore tuned dick general um, <laughs> to go to play with because... It, uh, playing against Arkham Dags and not not fun. Not at all. I'd rather just get four people together and play a, like a casual game of EDH. Yeah, well, like, that's what we did. After, yeah, so. like I listened to the cast and I remember you saying that. And like, it seems like people just take out their decks that they don't want to play in casual EDH to win the money. Which I mean, there's no, there's you can't argue with them about that. That, that there's something on the line, but. I remember when we were in Orlando for the StarCityGames.com Open Invitational. I that, that name of that tournament's so long. Um, we played a game with Trick from Mana Nation, and it just it seemed more fun to play outside of the super competitive like cash for stakes environment. You know, yeah. random aside, I just have to mention John Avon has actually illustrated some bad things before, like Flame Jet. <laughs> Not good art. Same with Anger. Anger has to be like one of the worst art ever made, and it's by one of the best magic artists. I had no idea this was a John Avon art, and it makes me kind of sad. Anyways, John Avon aside, by the wayside, um, yeah, definitely, um, 
I, I remember people were talking about maybe EDH will become a competitive format because it's being endorsed by a lot of different important people, like basically it the judges. Won't. It's being endorsed by judges, and it won't because it kind of kills the whole spirit of the game. Yeah. So we, we've we've talked about almost my entire mana base. I'm uh, eight cards shy of revealing the entire mana base. To oh, me. just go for <laughs> it. Go for it. <laughs> so, uh, deserted temple. Now, add one colorless mana to your mana pool, or you can pay one to untap target land. So that goes really well with scorched ruins. Mm-hmm. So uh, petrified field. Uh, it gets to sacrifice Petrify Field to return target land from your graveyard to your hand. So, it's a nice little card there. Uh, Wrath's Edge. Uh, sacrifice a land. Wrath's Edge deals one damage to target creature or player. You have to pay four and sacrifice. So, and that's a rare from Nemesis. Sometimes you have to deal one, man. It, it's, it's more removal. You know, someone thinks that their guy is just surviving by one point. Boom. Uh, Maze of Shadows. Untap target attacking creature with shadow. The creature ne- neither receives or deals damage this turn. And and you notice the theme on pretty much all my lands here is they all come into play untapped. Yeah. Because you know mana coming into play tapped really sucks. So the uh, last four are archaeological dig, um, crystal vein, high market, which it's special abilities you can sack a creature to gain one life, and uh, ghost town. So those those are are my mana base. If if you don't mind me asking, how many times has the uh, the guy that bounces shadow people been like relevant? Ever? Um, none. But it comes <laughs> to play untapped, and it provides colorless mana. <laughs> just just checking, because if it had, I wanted to hear that story really badly. Well, it, it's sort of like how often has the fact that the Urzatron is the Urzatron is relevant? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that would be uh, not so much. However, Sundering Titan is a relevant card in the deck because... Oh, wow. It doesn't even hit yeah. you. No, it doesn't hit you at all. So, <laughs> that's it's kind of rude. It's nice. <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, Sundering Titan. Oh, but <laughs> nothing happens to you. Yeah. Um, so, I, of course, I run some big Eldrazi Giants and uh, Sword of Light and Shadow and Fire and Ice. Um, Apparently, sort of body and mind is being... Rumored to be in Scars of Mirrodin, it's supposed to be the green white one or green blue, and it'll probably make its way in. I, I guess the biggest trouble with this deck is its lack of removal. So you really need to look for sweepers like All Is Dust and Oblivion Stone. Um, Nevin Rawls Disc, also known as the reset button. Yeah, I'm trying to see if it's in here, and if it isn't, I wonder why it's not. <laughs> um, I might only have one, and it's in my cube. That's that, an entire. It's entirely possible. The other possibility is that I didn't want to look through. Um, did it get printed in white border? Yes. Yes. So I probably didn't want to look through my white bordered my my un my unsetted white bordered cards because <laughs> <laughs> there is no rhyme or reason to those. So <laughs> there's a yeah. Masticor is yeah. a nice card. Um, you said you were like t- in terms of removal. Uh, in M11, they're coming out with Brittle Effigy. It's the one mana artifact. It's a rare four tap exile it exile target creature. Yeah, so, that probably makes the cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not the greatest of cards. It's not going to be an all star. I mean, Doomblade's a little bit better. But um, in terms of it being colorless removal, 
Met Exiles as well. It, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, because right now I'm pretty much on Amulet of uh, Unmaking, and there's one other. I, I seriously have to Google every card that Eric says. <laughs> like I noticed that I, I haven't been talking very much on this podcast, and that's because every time it's like Petrified Field. Oh, okay, I know that one. I would say every every one card out of ten I know, and then the rest of them I'm googling. So I, I have some semblance of understanding what's going on here. And then uh, Amber Prison is the other the other one. Nope, nope, don't. don't. <laughs> no idea. You know, so I mean, it's not like I had a lot of these cards targeted when I went to go make the deck. Basically, what I did was I I got my list of the lands that the possible lands that make stuff um, from that link I put in you guys' show notes, mm-hmm. um, and I just went through that list and I searched my boxes of cards for for those lands. And as I came across interesting artifacts, I just put them in a pile. <laughs> <laughs> that that definitely seems like a lot of a lot of fun. So. I mean, I know we're happy that you definitely got into EDH or that you're playing it. Um, I think, I mean, it's obviously not like an undiscovered format nowadays, but for a while it was, and it's nice to just hear people having fun with the format, which is really important. Like, having EDH live up to its potential for some people is actually harder than it seems. Some people, like, nowadays hear so much about EDH, they expect it to be, like, type 5, the end-all, be-all of everything, and some people are actually kind of disappointed, which always confuses me. But I'm, okay. I'm glad you're having fun with it. I'm just saying, Tom, Type 5, the end-all and be-all of everything, sounds like it should be a B-movie. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a great... B- starring Keanu Reeves and... And Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. <laughs> um, yes. I didn't know it has the Tremor monsters in it, too. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of B-movies, has anyone on this podcast seen The Room before? No. By Tony Wiseau? Take that as a no, Eric. Okay, by far it, one of the best, most horrible movies ever made. It, you really need to talk to Tom about the best, <laughs> most horrible movies ever made because he's the one who has this really bad movie fetish. The, the The only movies that I really look forward to that are always pretty much bad are superhero movies. <laughs> so if it's a superhero movie, you can pretty much bet that I, I've, I've watched it and enjoyed it. Um, mm, Superman yeah. 3. Right yep. Here. <laughs> the, the only the, the one I didn't like was the uh, the the redo the recent Superman one. Oh, you didn't like uh, with uh, something Ruth, Brandon, Brian, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, like that guy he's in it. I saw it. Why was he so bald? I mean, I know it's Lex Luthor, but it just seems so stark contrast to what Spacey does. Sorry. Okay. I I watch way too movie too many movies for my own good. My father's a critic, so I've seen pretty much everything that's been made from the last fifteen years on, including wow. stuff before. So I'm good with movies. So anyways, uh glad you're having fun with ADH. Let's go to emails. Yeah. Oh, uh, and the emails besides the whole conversation we had with Eric, we got an email from Daniel Adams. His Twitter is in the show notes. Um he's a he was a fairly new listener and he made uh a Experiment Krage EDH deck. So we kind of took this idea, and he's like, maybe that could be the general of the week. And as soon as I saw Experiment Krage and noticed that we had never really done a blue green general, I bells and whistles started going off. This guy seems awesome, and Tom kind of went to town with with a deck list. So I'll let Tom start start talking about it, and then we'll kind of roundtable it, and we can talk about different cards. That'll be good. 
Okie doke. So, um, yeah, Experiment Crash was definitely an interesting general to see. Uh, let's get some background on it, though. Experiment Crash for two green, green, blue, blue is a 4-6 legendary ooze mutant. Like, that's not the best type ever. Experiment Crash has all activated abilities of each other creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it. And it has tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Um, if you're playing against Linvala, I'm pretty sure this deck auto-loses. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was definitely an interesting deck. Um, there's two major components to this deck, kind of like the strategies you want to really work out to get around. Uh, one of which is Persist and um, the ability to put plus one, plus one counters on stuff. Uh, persist was an ability from Shadowmoor. Uh, when a creature dies, it can come back into play with a negative one, negative one counter. But also from Shadowmoor, if a creature has a plus one, plus one, plus one counter on it and a negative one, negative one counter on it, they fizzle and they go away. Do you, do so you know why they fizzle? Again. Because they don't like each other? It's a state based effect. Because they're like matter and antimatter. Oh, yeah. That, it's like, like matter and dark matter. They're like flash and anti flash. They're like flash and iPhone. They don't work. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're like iPhone and holding it. It doesn't work. <laughs> so, um. A really important card in this deck is actually, and I'll take the first one, Cauldron of Souls. Um, it r- really goes well with the first theme, which is Persist. Cauldron of Souls for five colorless mana is an artifact from Shadowmore. Tap. Choose any number of target creatures. Each of those each of those creatures gain Persist until end of turn. Um, this combos really well with uh, two of the lands in the deck, which are Orin Reef the Vastwood, uh, which is Orin Reef the Vastwood and there's a battle tap. You can tap it out of green, and then you can tap to put a plus one, plus one counter on each green creature that enters the battlefield this turn. And the same with, and I have this weird Norwegian name, Novijan Heart of Progress. It's a land uncommon from Ravnica Block. It, you can tap it to add one to your mana pool, or for green and a blue, tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that came into play this turn. So basically, for three mana, for one green and a blue, your guys are wrath-proof. So it's kind of ridiculous, and it's a combo that I'm probably going to be putting in any green-blue deck I ever make. So yeah, I sent the deck list to you guys, and you can tear it apart, if you would wish. Alright, um, the first card that I'm going to talk about is uh, Seaborn Muse. Now, if you play green or and you play EDH, or if you have friends that play green in EDH, this card has probably been at a table near you. It's a 3 in green-green, it's a 2-4. Spirit, untap all permanents you control during each other player's untap step. With this and Kraj, you can do some ridiculous nonsense, because you can put 1-1 counters on a lot of things, or use a lot of different tap-to-activate abilities. So, uh, Seaborn Muse is kind of just awesome to begin with, but it's really good in this kind of... Definitely, definitely, definitely. Is there anything in the deck list that piques your interest, Eric? Uh, yeah, one of my favorite cards, Gilder Baron. <laughs> um, Gilder Baron is such a sweet card. Um, it, <laughs> I, first of all, I love the artwork with a little little guy dressed up in a, an outfit, you know, hanging like little lights around. That's just so sweet. But it's it's the pay two in either a blue or a green uh, and untap Gilder Baron to uh, to double the number of counters on a permanent. So. It, my favorite thing to do with it is to double counters on planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So if you wanted to throw some planeswalkers in here, you know, that would work. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it awfully definitely has, definitely has uses in here as well with, uh, with some, what I was just looking at, like your Spike Weaver and your, your Spikes, your Forgotten Ancient, your your Fungal Bamoth, all those kind of guys, um, and it, it, yeah, you just can't go wrong with, with Gilder Baron. Hell, no, you can't. This it, it was pretty much an auto include in this deck. Like there wasn't even a question about it being in this deck. It was going in. Like if this was a draft, it was a first pick slam. So <laughs> I drafted it in my cube this afternoon. So really, yeah. Did you uh, have Honkyo? Uh, no, I had uh, Liliana Vess, and good. then I also had um, Altar of Shadows. Oh, wow. So Altar of Shadows is a seven-mana uh, artifact um, that you pay seven and tap it to destroy target creature and then put a counter on it. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you put a black mana into your mana pool for each counter on Alter Shadows. So That seems like um, it gets good fast. It, it does. Um, it, it definitely won me uh, it definitely won me a game. Uh, so it's, uh, it's repeatable removal, even though, it's, even though it is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I got to draft the uh, reanimator strategy in my cube today, so nice. <laughs> Uh, the next card that I want to mention is uh, LeBron Mage or Echo Mage. <laughs> um, it's one blue blue. It's a human wizard with leveler, and if he's levels two through three, he's a two four with blue blue tap. Copy target instant or sorcery. You may choose new targets. If he's level four or higher, he's a two five with blue blue tap. Copy target instant or sorcery twice. You may choose new targets. So he's. The thing with Kraj and Levelers is the Levelers have to be leveled to whatever level that it's like, say you get LeBron Mage to um, level 4, and then you put a 1-1 counter on him. Uh, Kraj can then pay 2 blue, tap, and copy an instant twice. The Leveler has to be able to do the ability himself and have a 1-1 counter on it, then Kraj can do it. Wasn't as good as I originally thought where you just put a 1-1 counter on him and then you just get to start making 2 three, 3 green elephants each turn, but... I guess it'll do. Well, but you know, with Gilder Baron out, you can double the number of level counters. So just level up your Echo Mage twice, and then Gilder Baron him, and there you go. God, that yeah, guy is getting in there. And if you have doubling season, then just forget about it. You don't even <laughs> you don't even need to play. You can just your deck just it does stuff by itself pretty much. So yeah, um, uh, one of my favorite green blue cards that I've always wanted to talk about on air is actually Spinning Image. Uh, for four green blue hybrid, green blue hybrid, put a token into play that's a copy of target creature with retrace, which is uh, an ability from eventide. You may play this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its other costs. So with stuff like I'm gonna call it LeBron Mage from now on, LeBron Mage out, you can just copy stuff on the field. But it's such a great repeatable effect that it's definitely it breaks games. It's amazing. I love it. All right. Also, Fable of Wolf and Owl is just a card that I've always loved. I, I I forgot who previewed it when Eventide was coming out, but it might have been Marrow, uh, Mark Rosewater, sorry, and he was just gushing about this card. It's just it's so kind of flavorful and and even like the flavor text is awesome. The forest grows fangs, the sky spreads its wings. It's just I feel it's an awesomely balanced card, and it's a card I love playing with just because of the flavor text. So. 
Um, is this a rough deck list or a full deck list? No, it's, it's just a rough deck list. Okay. It, one card that's not on here that I think might be uh, worthy of, of thought about is a uh, Mystic Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it missed, yeah, it, it's Mystic Snake is is great because so it's two blue, a green, and one. I think mm-hmm. um, for a two-two uh, snake with flash. and with flash, and when he comes into play, spell. So, and and that is a lot of uh, <clears throat> he's a lot of fun, and it gives you just that you know oh my god you know stay away you know this mm-hmm. this is a bad bad thing let's 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 get rid of that. <laughs> Definitely, I, I've always loved the snake. I mean, if if you're gonna play the snake, if you really want to go into that route, playing stuff like Crystal Shard and uh, Draining Wilk also in this deck would be fun. There's a lot of stuff in here that that would be good to bounce. Uh, if you bounce stuff like Cytoplast Rootkin for two green yeah. green, grafting for four. When he comes into play, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control that has a plus one plus one counter on it. So he's also great with Cross because you just gain all your guys' abilities at once. Which is perfect. Um, I, I liked how the deck works. It's definitely another interaction I really love is the interaction with stuff like Thornling and Morphling, because Thornling is the mythic rare from Conflux, uh, which is the Morphling redo. Um, for three GG to four four green, it gets haste. Green, it gets trample. Green, it's indestructible. And for a colorless, plus one minus one until end of turn. For a colorless, plus one minus one until end of turn. And if you just hit this guy with Cross, give it a plus one plus one counter on it. Cries gets indestructible, and you just get to be happy. So, <laughs> I, I definitely like how this deck turned out. Uh, there's the other kind of idea in this deck is just untap stuff uh, with stuff like Seaborn Muse. You have the ability from Merkfiend Liege, uh, which is a horror, and it's got really cool art. For two blue green hybrid, blue green hybrid, blue green hybrid. It's it's one of the Lieges, so other green creatures get plus one plus one. Other blue creatures get plus one plus one. And the ability of untap all green and or blue creatures you control during each other player's untap step. So you can even stack stuff like his ability with Seaboard Muse abilities and just kind of like do stuff in between and you just get to do ridiculous things. Like make lots of elephants with with Kazandu Tusk Collar. Um, Trevor is gone looking up cards, by the way. So that's why he's not here with his little peppy voice. No, um, I'm, I'm yeah, probably uh, Probably a good card to have in here would be Rings of a Brightheart. Actually, it is. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Great minds take alike. Heck yeah, they do. I actually remember um, right when the original lore when Planeswalkers came out, um, one of my friends made an all Planeswalker decks with Rings of the Bright Hearth, and being able to repeat some of these abilities for two is just kind of busted. So this deck definitely, you can just fill it with all the Planeswalkers you want. I wouldn't suggest putting in Tezzeret. I mean, he could be good <laughs> with stuff like Thousand Year Elixir, but eh. So that's that's my personal opinion. Um, also, uh, as I was saying, you uh, the untapping abilities. Uh, Quest for Renewal is a card from World Wake. Uh, it's one of the quests, I believe. Whenever a creature comes into play, you put a quest counter on it. When it has six, four or more, four or more quest counters, um, all creatures you control and tap at the beginning of every other player's untap step. So it gets the Seaborn usability. And then Sprout Swarm is most definitely in this deck, because Sprout Swarm is really, really, really good. If, if you haven't broken a time spiral draft with Sprout Swarm like, yet, yeah, you haven't lived. 
Yeah, buyback is absolutely awesome. You know, if you really want to be uh, a little more uh, spiky, you could always uh, throw in a capsize. Mm. Yeah. Uh, capsize is fun. I, I I play capsize and I'm happy about it. Sometimes, I mean, you are paying six for it. That's pretty much all you're doing for the turn. So you know what? People who hate capsize, you should have a response to a six mana bounce spell. You just need See, to bust it out when you need to bust it out. Sometimes you need to repeatedly bounce somebody's general. <laughs> okay. I, I can't endorse that one, but I can endorse bouncing really dangerous things like, I don't know, Vertiloth Ancient. Off the top of my head. We're just going to go that way. <laughs> Although that'd be horrible, because if you know what Vertiloth Ancient does, it just gets better every single time. Um, Michaeloth was a suggestion to be in this deck, because Michaeloth turns out tokens equal to the number of plus one plus one counters on it. So that also seems like a great idea. And I guess we'll go one more round. Is there anything else you guys really like in the deck just to bring up and bring out or anything you wish was in the deck? Let's go to Trevor well, first. Yeah, okay. Mine, mine's going to be... This is an oldie but a goodie, but i got to say Mana Reflection because mm. it's Mana Reflection. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think it needs much explaining. It's, it's awesome. If, if you're playing green and you're playing big mana... Play Mana Reflection. We've we've said this many many times. No, we have to do it. I love that card so much. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better ones. Um, Trevor, because I can't remember it, or maybe Eric. No, Lurking Predators should be in this deck. Yes. Four green green. Whenever a player casts a spell, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may put it onto the battlefield without paying its mana cost. If it's not, you may put that card from the top of your library onto the bottom of your library. And yes, that was off the top of my head. Okay. Um. What would you think combo? about putting Mo- Momar Vig in here? I think both Momir Vig and um, Sages of the Anima could easily go into this deck. Mm. Um, Sages of the Anima is kind of like, eh, speculative, but Momir Vig would definitely get you the stuff that you want, like the Cytoplast Rootkin. Uh, Fertilid is actually more busted in this deck than it seems like it is, just because uh, Kraj can get that ability when he puts a plus one, plus one counter on him, and you can just start churning out lands left and right. What you, you know, could do? Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Eric. Mine's really long and arbitrary. <laughs> is, um, is it another stupid mind slaver thing, Trevor? No. Okay. No mind slaver. <laughs> um, so if you're gonna borrow from standard, you could do the whole Oracle of Moldai. And kind of one of the things I've always wanted to do is build a deck with uh, Oracle of Moldai and um, also uh, Future Sight, and then Magus of the Future. Um, so just being able to look at the top card and be able to play with it, yeah. Because uh, you're gonna have the top card out there anyway. Yeah, go for it. Heck, yeah, that seems good. Especially with stuff like Lurking Predators and Oracle Magdai, you can definitely add another good old intricacy to this deck that both green and blue love to play with. So, hey, look at this. We're right, making the deck more complicated as we go, and better and for it. Yes, speaking of more complicated, this is my ridiculous thing. When you said Lurking Predators, I'm like, oh, what's a good way to mess with the top of your library? Crystal and, Ball? Well, Crystal Ball are top. So, if you have top out, or if someone has top out, because you don't want to buy one, or you, you, you don't want to play, someone has top out, you play, um, Micah Synthletis and March of Machines, then put a 1-1 counter on their top. Then your Kraj can top. That's true. <laughs> I've, yeah, there's, there's, there was a, and wait, then, you, when you someone mind slavers you, they can have your Kraj be put on the top of your library. Ooh, <laughs> you just got it, Trevor. There you go. Um, you actually don't need Lattice, because uh, Top is already an artifact. But if you have Lattice out, and you have all the other pieces... March to of the Machines. 
stupid combo. You can play a planeswalker, and you can use your boon. You used to be able to. Now I guess they errated it. Is that right? Yeah, they have changed the way it worked. Now uh, the biggest the biggest person to talk to on this is uh, Ricky Hayashi, um, who's a level three judge. Uh, used to be out in California and is moving out to work for Star City Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is famous for having an experiment Karaj deck. Um, and oh. the thing he wanted to do was be able to have Karaj be able to copy Planeswalkers. Because it used to be you could just activate the ability over and over and over and over and over again, any of them. Mm-hmm. It's like, because I'm going to fate seal your deck. <laughs> yeah, or I'm going to ultimate, you know... Off of any of my planeswalkers because I can, but they've they've since changed the planeswalkers' abilities so that they are like tied to the card now, opposed to being an activated build. I don't know. They've changed somehow in the fundamentals of the rules that you can't copy them with experiment garage. Probably just to nerf Ricky Hayashi's, Hayashi's uh, deck. That's not fair. I've listened to Judge Cass. He seems like a nice enough guy. Judge Cass, big shout out to Judge Cass. It's one of my favorites. I really like their podcast. And that makes me upset. I want to do that. And now I'm going to have to think of more arbitrary combos. Though, because you guys you, mentioned Mindslaver, if you have March of Machines out, you can put a counter on your Mindslaver <laughs> and kill your cross and someone's turn. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you wanted to talk more about this, uh, you could try getting in contact with Ricky. Uh, you know, he loves, he certainly usually is willing to talk about stuff, and uh, I've always found him very approachable. So... Definitely, we're, we're, we'll try and get Ricky to talk about his experiment Kraj deck if we have the chance. You know, it's actually not a bad idea. I mean, people usually talk about their EDH decks eventually. Like, I know Tom also has an EDH uh, experiment Kraj deck because he got the awesome Tom by Papa Bear, not Tom me. So Papa Bear <laughs> got the awesome-looking full art experiment Kraj from somebody for his birthday or something odd like that. I forget why. But he has an experiment Kraj deck, and I wonder... Yeah, he, he liked Kraj, and... Because uh... oh, he's the news, man. It, Papa it, Bear and Ooze, they go together like ooze Peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> Peanut butter and Nutella. Oh, I can't think of his name now. I can see his face. Hold on, this is my contacts on Skype. One of the co-hosts, but he's not there very often. The pinch hitter. Jack? Uh, no. Eric Jack from is, St. Louis? No, that's me. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I know this. Steve. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. I yeah, Steve got Steve. it for him because Steve games with with Tom, mm-hmm. and they're both up in uh, Minneapolis. Steve is a huge EDH fan and knew that knew knew that Tom enjoyed Experiment Crash, so he he went and uh, uh, gave some free publicity to uh, Card Kitty, um, and they got him a Experiment Crash for uh, altered full art Experiment Crash for Tom, so. That's definitely like that's that's actually an idea I've taken into practice like for Christmas gifts for this other co-host Trevor and uh, the other co-host at the time Kevin I got them altered cards Kevin got a debtor's knell Trev got a altered art mind slaver which now seems more appropriate than it did then but. <laughs> yes one of my favorite alterations was uh, I got. Uh, Mark Teden to uh, alter uh, Helm of Chedzuk. Um Don't worry, Trevor. I'm looking up this one too. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to be like Helm of Cthulhu. Oh, <laughs> was, oh I can definitely oh. see it. Yeah, that, that was one. Of, that's one of my favorite cards, just from the artwork. <laughs> Target creature gains banding until end of turn. <laughs> Trevor, it's banding. Yeah, it's useless, but you know. 
It's fun. No, yeah, that's that definitely seems like a really fun card. It definitely uh, you can. I, I can see the Cthulhu in it from here. What is that even supposed to be? Was that supposed to be like a Phyrexian or no, not even it, around Phyrexians? It was inspired by Cthulhu, so yeah. Oh well, there uh, you go. That was that was the uh, that was the inspiration for it. All the way from Alpha, they kept the same art. Hmm. Anyways, it, it's only been printed once now. Uh, I think it was only printed like unlimited, maybe revised. Yeah, it no was further. Alpha Beta Unlimited revised. Then it actually was in fifth, if you can believe it. Oh yeah. I, I I only sound smart because I'm looking at Gather. I have no idea besides the point. But uh yeah, so I think this has been a very full podcast. I definitely liked how it ended up. You've been a great co host, Eric. Well Give, thank you. Giving you a it big was, hug was, to St. Louis. Oh, sorry, I have a cat attacking my feet. Um <laughs> it was great to have you guys on or have you on. Tom Tom's always here. <laughs> you just can't get rid of him, right? Hey. Yeah. I've, I, I've been instrumental in some things, like once or twice. I made really cool-looking posters. That's not even a joke. They were awesome. They also cost like three dollars each because of the amount of ink that was necessary to make them. Don't make posters with black with black backgrounds. I I learned because the amount of ink it takes to print out all that black on photocopy paper is ridiculous. It's like Kodak is stabbing you with a knife and asking you for money. It's unfair. Okay. Well, on that note. I I don't have much else to say. I'm all good. I don't know about you guys. And my pizza got here, so well, I'm hungry. I will definitely say uh, thank you so much for joining us, Eric. Uh, have fun oh, recording pleasure. Monday Night Magic in like three seconds. And um, it's always enjoyable to hear you on pretty much every <laughs> podcast on the MGG Cast Network. And we're really honestly, happy to have you with us. I think you should just try to be on every one of them. <laughs> it's you definitely just, it. Yeah, just strive for it. Just get unlimited resources. Just go for it, man. You can do it. Yeah, I'll definitely. Uh, I'll just have to hit up the ones I I really enjoy. I mean, you guys just have you guys have a really good a good podcast. I enjoy listening to. It. I enjoy hearing the EDH EDH stuff. And and I I still my mind still doesn't think EDH necessarily yet when I hear things. Um, I still kind of I'm used to being the the guy who has to like I'm used to working with Tom from. Uh, from Monday Night Magic, and, and he's always asking for a tournament view on cards and stuff. So <laughs> I'm used to always trying to attack him from that angle. I know I was on the mana pool, and I'm like, uh, no, no, this and that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, when it's multiplayer, it doesn't really have as much impact that way. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so. Um, so, yeah, guys, definitely uh, take a listen to Mr. Suitcase. Uh, it's it's a great podcast, by the way. Thank you. It, guess who the host is? It's Eric. <laughs> Yeah, there'll, there'll probably be another one out um, around Christmas time. Oh, so. cool. <laughs> it'll, come out with, it'll come out with 12 more. <laughs> all at once. Just this, like, backlog from, like, six months ago. It'll be talking about, like, M10 spoilers. Like, oh, my God, Stormfront Pegasus, <laughs> no, 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 best no, no, card no. ever. I, my podcasts are not backlogged. My podcasts just get done basically when my family's out of town or I'm I'm in Florida with them and therefore I don't have access to most of my the normal time consuming things I have to do. So Well yeah, we were definitely very, very, very happy you were able to, to join us on our endeavor into EDH. Uh, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. So I guess for episode thirty six this has been Tom. And Trevor. And special guest host, Eric. Yes. Yeah, he did it. And thanks for tuning in.